Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This morning I'd just like to reemphasize that truth that we are called to be His heart, His hands, His voice. He has called us as His body and given us the commission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. We are His heart, His hands, His voice. Will you follow with me as I read Romans chapter 10 beginning in verse 14. The Bible says this, but how can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Four simple things this morning to challenge us as a church to be involved to be committed to really take it to the next level in the great commission as God has called us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth this truth here that we are his voice and we are sent with that commission is underscored throughout all of scripture just in the gospel of John alone I I counted 39 times where that phrase speaking us being sent in chapter 7 chapter 17 alone John mentioned seven times as He prays for his disciples in that that great prayer before Jesus goes to Gethsemane. Seven times in that prayer, he reminds the Father and himself as he prays for us that he has been sent. The Father has sent me, he says in that passage. We, the people of God, continue that commission. As God sent his one and only son, John 3.16, now he sends his church to take the message to the lost. Four simple truths this morning from this passage. Number one. We have good news. We have good news. That should be simple. That should be a no-brainer. But uh, throughout the New Testament, that is underscored. The word gospel means good news. Look with me at verse 15. As Paul writes about this commission that he's given us to be sent, he quotes the Old, Old Testament prophet, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things, who announce the good news of good things we have good news the good news is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself as we sing about Christmas Emmanuel God with us it's not just that God came in the form of a baby in a manger but that baby came with a purpose and that purpose was to go live a sinless life and then go to a cross and give his life in our place so that we don't have to experience eternal separation from God in a place called hell. That's good news, that I don't have to experience that. It's what I deserve, it's what you deserve, but because of what Christ did for us, the good news is I don't have to experience that. If I will receive Christ by faith, trust him as my personal savior, believe in him, as the Bible says, I can have eternal life. That is good news to be shared. Throughout the New Testament, we're told that that good news is not to be kept The children of Israel were told that that they were a light to be on a hill, and that light was to shine. We sing the song with with our little kids that I'm going to hide it under a bushel, 
No, right? I'm going to let it shine. We are to be sharing that good news. We have good news. Number two, people are waiting to hear it. Not only do I have it, not only have I experienced the good news of salvation in Christ, but people are waiting to hear that. Look at verse 14. How can they call on him in whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? How can they believe without hearing? There are people waiting to hear. God is preparing people. Whether they're people in our community, people in our nation, people on the other side of the world. They are waiting to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. Soon there will be about 7 billion people on earth. Someone said, if you just wanted to count to, to 1 billion if you, if you started one, two, three, if you could count one number per second, it would take 37 years to count to one billion. And there are seven billion of us on earth. About half of those have never really had opportunity to experience the gospel. Missiologists tell us that there are 1.7 billion of those folks who have never, ever heard the name of Christ. Those are unreached people groups. It's a lot of folks. The Bible says that's our mandate, that's our commission. And those people out there, wherever they are, whoever they are, they're waiting to hear the good news. God's given me a few opportunities to be involved in international missions. I can remember one weeknight, I can't remember what night it was, but it was in the middle of the week on Isla Mujeres there off the coast of Cancun, Mexico, uh, following, following some folks into a small little chapel about the size of this stage and about this many people packed in that little bitty room. On a weeknight, hot, very hot, very cramped, close quarters. And why did they come? Because somebody told them somebody is going to come to this building and share the gospel. The good news, people are waiting to hear it. As we've been on our mission trips to Pattaya, Thailand, and we pull into those slums there that are all over the city of Thailand, hidden in little pockets behind all the nice hotels, these pockets of people living in cardboard shacks and living under trees. As we pull into those, words there that the preachers have come to share, that the Christians are there. And those Buddhists file out of their huts and pile out either around a spirit tree or in the clearing or under a, a shack to hear the good news because they're waiting to hear it. They know that their life needs something. It's missing something. People are waiting to hear the good news. And we have it. And They're waiting to hear it. Number three. The good news is meant to be shared. That good news that you have, that good news that people are waiting to hear, it is meant to be shared. Again, verse 14, how can they hear without a preacher? By the way, that word preacher doesn't mean a preacher like me necessarily. It just means someone who can proclaim the message. It can be a five-year-old who tells someone about Jesus, or an 85-year-old who tells someone about Christ. It doesn't have to be a called vocational preacher like me. It just means they need to hear from someone that Christ is the answer. How can they hear without a preacher? And there's a, an implication that that's more than a preacher in verse 15. It, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Anyone who will make an announcement that Jesus is the way to heaven, you're a preacher. You're the one announcing in this passage, that's the context. You're the proclaimer. I've sat in a, among a group of teenagers. I've sat among a group of children and watched those kids and teenagers share Christ with one another. I've watched eight-year-olds lead other eight-year-olds to Jesus Christ because people are waiting to hear and people are ready to respond to the gospel. God has stirred their hearts and if we'll just open our mouths 
and share the good news, people will get it. Ed Stetzer says the church is not the means of salvation, but we are the message of salvation, the messengers. The church becomes the sender and the sent. I like that. God says to us, the body of Christ, the church, not these four walls, but the people, you are just to take this commission and you are to send others to take the gospel and at the same time, you're to be the ones who are sent. I think it's time for some of us to move beyond that place where we say, well, I'll pray for the missionaries and I'll give to the missionaries, but God, don't ask me to be a missionary. I have news for you. You are a missionary. In my very first pastorate, I taught a study called The Biblical Basis of Missions, just a real simple little paperback book, and we just went through that study, and toward the end of that study, an 80, uh, he's about 85-year-old deacon, walked up to me. Now, this deacon had been a deacon, so he deaked for a long time. He had been a Sunday school teacher. He had even been a mission leader and led, led children to learn about missions. He had led probably every committee in that church at one time. And I'm the brand new pastor there, and I'm just a kid, and I share what the Bible says about missions. And this 85-year-old deacon walks up, and he says, Pastor, and I could tell a light had come on in his, in his mind as we studied that night. You could just see it. Now that you see the light come on, teachers? And, and he walked up, he said, Pastor. He held that little book in his Bible. He said, we're missionaries. And I wanted to say, duh, but I didn't, okay? I have a little bit more, uh, I can keep that back. But I thought in my, in my heart, Lord, thank you that this guy finally got it. I was jumping up and down on the inside. That this man who'd been exposed to church all his life and listened and sung the hymns and read the scriptures and taught the lessons, it finally clicked and connected in his heart that God had called him to be a missionary. Folks, folks, we're all called to that. Say, well, I'm waiting for the call. You don't have to wait. You've been called. The Bible says that is the mandate. You will receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will do what? Be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Locally, we've taken that as our Acts 1.8 challenge. Jerusalem, our, our city, Judea, we've applied that to our state, Samaria, our nation, and the ends of the earth. You know what that is. You're called. The good news is meant to be shared. Share it. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not gifted. I don't remember that as being one of the prerequisites of you being eloquent. By the way, you look through Scripture, God used the uneloquent. Is that a word, uneloquent? He used the non-eloquent. He used the eloquentless. He used folks who weren't that great. He spoke through them. I was on a mission trip in Monterey, Mexico, and I was told, come down here with us, and we're going to preach in some churches, and I thought, that sounds neat, so I went down there, and I signed up, and, and I thought I was going to be with some other preachers who could help me, and they said, Kevin, here's the family you're going with them. Get in their car with them. They didn't speak much English, and I didn't speak much Spanish, and we kind of said, hi, how are you? I got in the car, and they drove me through the streets of Monterey. Boy, I saw a lot of Monterey I didn't really care to see. Got a little scary. Finally arrived at this suburban church that was surrounded by uh, homes and uh, got out of the car and still broken English, broken Spanish, trying to communicate, and, and they led me into the church, and I'm looking for my interpreter because I'm going to be the preacher that day, and I didn't see anybody, and I'm thinking, these folks I can't talk to very well. I hope it's not one of these folks. Finally, about five minutes before the worship service starts, the, the place is full of people, and they're waiting, and uh, this lady walks in, a young lady, and she looks like she might be my interpreter 
because she's looking for me like I'm looking for her. And we made eye contact, and she says, hi, and she introduced herself. She said, I'm your interpreter today. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and so I'm excited that I have an interpreter. And then she says this. She says, I've never done this before. <laughs> I said, well, that's great because I've never done it before either. So this will be a first for both of us. So I did my best, and if you've never done that, if you've never tried to talk through an interpreter, it's a challenge because you have a thought and you get it expressed and then you have to pause and let them express it. And then, you know, if you're not careful, your thought sort of goes somewhere else. But we got through that sermon. There were a couple of places where we got stuck because I used some, some figures of speech in English that didn't translate. And I would go, blah, 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 and I'd stop and wait for her. And she'd just kind of stand there. And I'd look over at her and she'd look at me and go like this. So I knew this wasn't good. But we got through the sermon, and it was all right, and we, we, I extended the invitation, and then we turned it over to the pastor, and, and there was commotion over here and stuff going on, and I, I didn't know. I felt real uncomfortable. You know how you just think it just didn't work? But at least I could say I've done it. I, I preached through an interpreter. And when it was all over, I found out that little commotion over here was a teenage boy who came to give his heart to Christ. I said, thank you, Lord, that there was somebody who was ready to hear, and all I had to do was share the message. That good news, folks, is to be shared. Number four, the time is now. Number four, now is the time to share the good news. Look with me again at verse 15. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the gospel of good things. Now we could say a lot here about how in that culture that would have been incredible for a person to come into your home and, and have those dirty feet and maybe for those feet to be welcomed into the home and you can talk about all that, but, but really that word beautiful, you know what else it means? It means timeless. It, it can literally be translated timeless. The right hour, the right season. So listen to this. How timely is it for you to take with your feet the gospel of good news to someone else? How timely is it? Folks, now is the time to share. Like no other time in our existence, now is the time to share. Let's watch this video clip. The reality is you have over 6,000 people groups that are unreached with the gospel right now, and about 3,800 of them that are classified as unengaged, i.e. nobody is working to get the gospel to them intentionally right now. This is not acceptable for us as a church. There's a sense of urgency in fulfilling the Great Commission because people are not going to come into the kingdom unless they have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you were standing on the edge of a cliff over which 1.7 billion people were destined to fall to their death, wouldn't you do something? And won't you do something about the 1.7 billion people who are destined to die and go to hell without the gospel? Can't help but think about everybody in this village, everybody over those mountains, the people we're seeing, the guys that are walking by the street right now, all of them going to hell. God has called us, Christ has given us a commission to take what we know, which is the gospel of Jesus that will save them, that they don't have to go to hell. Well, the, the Great Commission has been given to the local church, and so it's, it's not the task of the IMB to accomplish the Great Commission. It's the task of 40,000 plus churches to come together and to do this work. I think that it's going to require, first of all, for churches to be willing to 
to pray for a very specific people group on this earth and to pray for open doors and opportunities to go in and take the gospel of Christ. And then it's going to call on churches to be willing to make financial sacrifices, sacrifices of time. But it really just means a willingness to do whatever God is calling on us to do to share the love of Christ with people around the world. Yesterday we had the opportunity to go amongst an unreached people group of nomads in the middle of the desert and to sit down with a group of men under a tent and share the gospel through the picture in Luke 15 of a shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to go after the one. And these, these guys understood that picture. And so to think about how God does love these men and this people group enough to, to go after them, to seek them, and the reality that I, as I'm sitting there sharing the gospel with them, have the opportunity to be an expression of a seeking father's love to them. Then to think about all of these other people groups that are isolated. They're unreached because they're difficult to reach. And the fact that you and I have an opportunity to be a part of the Father seeking love, our God wants these men and this nomadic people group, He wants them to know the gospel. He wants these people groups to know. The question is, are we going to get in on this seeking Father's desire to make the gospel known among them in these isolated and difficult to reach areas? You know, it really isn't rocket science. There are 44,000 Southern Baptist churches, only 3,800 people groups yet to be engaged with the gospel of Christ. So that means if just 10% of our Southern Baptist churches chose to embrace an unengaged people group, we'd be living in the generation that saw every language, people, tribe, and nation in possession of the gospel. We just have to be committed to whatever it takes to get this job done. And uh, we have brothers and sisters before who have, who have done that, and we need, we need thousands and thousands more to do that. My challenge to our church today is that we would engage an unreached people's group, that we as a congregation would step up and say, one of those 3,800 people's groups we want to reach them. To be unengaged means that there is no witness in that group. It may mean that they're in a, in a nation that is surrounded by a gospel witness, but that people's group has been isolated. In the, the nation of Thailand alone, there are several places that you go to that uh, Embrace website, and you can see many unengaged people's groups in that one nation, a pocket of 10,000 Muslims near where we have been ministering to Buddhists there in Thailand. My challenge today is, will we as a church say we're going to pray about God connecting us with a people's group. I don't know where that is. I don't know if it's in Asia or the Middle East or Africa or South or Central America, but that our church would pray God direct us as a congregation to begin to pray specifically for one of those people's groups. And then God, if you would, give us the ability to learn about that people's group. Even maybe engage that people's group as some of those members may be of that group in the nation of, in, in America. And then say, God, we're going to give so that our people can go and engage that group. My challenge to us today is, as a congregation, that we would begin praying. That God would help us connect with someone somewhere. See, the truth is that God is already working and speaking to hearts God, is already, God already has people waiting to hear the good news. And what he wants to do is he wants to stir us here for us to answer the call and say, yes, God, we don't know what it's going to take. We don't know what the call is, but we're available. And we're going to pray, 
And we're going to be willing to give, even sacrificially. And God, we're even willing to send some of our people to wherever that place is to engage those folks with the gospel. That's my challenge for us today. If you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, the challenge for you is will you receive him by faith? Because you've heard the message that Jesus is the answer. He's the only way. If today you would be willing to give your life to Christ, to open up your heart and receive him by faith, we would love to show you how you can make that commitment today. For the rest of us, I'm going to ask you to pray this morning. God, connect us with that group. Make us available. Make us willing to reach them. Will you pray with me?